Welcome to Fuel for Life. I'm Dan Steep, and this podcast is being brought to you by New Beginnings Ministries from Marysville, Ohio, United States. The gospel message is so simple a child can understand it. Jesus came to earth to cut through dead religion with a simple, powerful message. He said in Matthew 4, 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yet the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians spoke of this gospel in terms of the unsearchable riches of Christ. So you have a very simple gospel that even a child can understand, and then you have these mysteries of the gospel that are spoken of throughout Scripture. Reinhard Bonnke once said, The gospel is so big, it's totally comprehensive, leading nothing untouched, visible or invisible, in the earth, heaven, or hell. So I want you to know how simple and easy it is to receive the gift of salvation through Christ. And also I want to begin to mine the unsearchable riches of the scriptures for the keys to the abundant life that was paid for by Christ and promised to us. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief who is Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So for today's podcast, I want to talk about the subject of forgiveness. The first uh, aspect of forgiveness that I really want to talk about, talk about is God's forgiveness of me. I don't think you can really talk about the subject of forgiveness without first starting there. In subsequent podcasts, I'm going to talk about our forgiveness of other people, but we really need to have a, a, as a basis of a, a foundation for our understanding of forgiveness first of the forgiveness that God offers toward us, toward you and I. I'm going to share a scripture from Acts chapter 10. It's, a, it's a, the story about when Peter was called to Cornelius' house to share the gospel with Gentile believers for the first time. So in Acts 10, 34 to 43, it says, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. And here's the money verse. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him 
will have their sins forgiven through his name. Charles Stanley told a story of a time when he was in college and his, one of his professors gave a test with these very specific instructions. The instructions said, read through the entire test thoroughly before you begin. And as the story goes, if, if you read all the way through the test and you got to the bottom, it says you can either complete the exam as given or sign your name at the bottom and in doing so, receive an A for the assignment. Now, he goes on to say that as he read through the test, he realized this is the most difficult test that he'd ever seen, and it was, it was overwhelming. And he shared some of the, way, the different ways in which people responded to uh, the instructions of this test. He said some people, instead of doing what they were told and, and reading through the whole test first and finding out what the deal was, they, they just dug in and they sweat through the whole process anxiety, uh, you know, just discouragement and all those kinds of things. And then there's some that just took the test and they start reading. They get about halfway down the page and they're already discouraged and they just, they just give up. They just turn it in and, and, and say it was too hard and it, it was unfair and all that kind of stuff. And, and one student actually read through, he said, all the way through the test, got to the end and saw that all he had to do was sign his name at the bottom and receive an A, but his pride kicked in. And he, he wasn't willing to do that. So he took the test anyway. It was a really tough test. He was a really sharp guy. And he got a C minus uh, because his pride wouldn't allow him to just follow the instructions of the test to receive his A. Well, I think that the story that, that Charles Stanley tells about this, this professor and this test that he took really uh, has a, a great application for your life and for mine as we consider our reactions to God's solution for sin. See, here's how some people react to God's solution for sin. They spend their entire lives trying to earn what they later discovered was freely offered to them. Can you imagine that? Either through ignorance or pride or fear or whatever it is, there are those who will spend their entire lives just striving, trying to earn something that they could never possibly earn, only to discover in the end that it was something that was freely offered to them. I know some wonderful people who actually think this way and live their life this way. Well, here's another human reaction to God's solution for sin. They can look at God's standard, just like the students looked at the difficulty of the test that they had to take. They can look at God's standard and say, I can't meet it. Just give up. There's many people in the area of grace and forgiveness that try to earn it and work on it, but they realize that they can't be perfect. They keep on sinning and spinning their wheels, and after a while they say, there's no use, I'm never going to make it as a Christian. And then, of course, there are those like the, the, the really bright but prideful student who says they'll just take the test anyway. They know that God has offered them a gift of grace, but they've got so much ego and pride, maybe so much uh, religious background, just a religious spirit operating within them. And, and, and they just decide they're, they're going to try to earn it. They're going to work on it. But then they realize in the end, the best that any of us can do is maybe a C minus. 
But if you don't get 100% on God's exam, you flunk. Because God doesn't grade on a curve. The bottom line is very simple. When Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning, there was a separation between man and God. And that separation could only be bridged through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through Christ, God did away with the problem of sin's ability to keep us from having a relationship with Him. You see, when Adam sinned in that original sin, fellowship with God was destroyed. Sin causes us to hide from God. And when Adam sinned, death entered the human family. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus gives us the opportunity to receive Him and have a personal relationship with Him in our lifetime. And the Bible tells us that after we die comes the judgment. So here's what God did. When man sinned, why didn't God change the rules? The answer is because he couldn't. He's holy. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can be changed, but God cannot. That's why he's God. We can't meet God because we're sinful, and God can't change as a holy God. Now we have a problem. We have a holy God who cannot sin and a sinful man who cannot be holy. What are we going to do about it? We come, as the Bible says, short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are helpless. Now, in the legal system, there's something called a pardon. If we commit a felony, we lose our civil rights to vote and hold public office. And the only way that we can ever get them back is by a pardon by a governor or a president. They can pardon what we've done, and that means that the crime still stands. We just don't have to pay for it. It doesn't mean we're innocent. We just don't have to pay for the crime. But God's system is different. See, in the legal system, you can be pardoned and nobody has to pay for the crime. But in God's system, we must not only be pardoned, but there must be payment. And this is where the beautiful picture of Christ and the cross comes to play a part. It's not enough for a holy God to look upon sinful man and say, you're all pardoned, act as if it never happened. There also has to be payment for that sin. Our sin and the debt that resulted left us in a position where we needed both pardon and payment. Now, the bad news is one sinned, one sin forfeited a relationship with God. And because of that, my mom and dad were saved when I was born. But when I was born into this world, I was born a sinner. The good news is, is one act can bring us back to him. There's no degree of separation, whether you sin one time or a million, we're all lost. 
Now, what would make it unfair is if we had to climb back up for salvation according to how many sins we committed. This is where the world is missing it. They think somehow I've sinned a lot, so I've got to dig my way out of it. And if I do enough things, maybe I can earn enough points and get on the plus side. That's religion speaking. But the answer is, no, you can't. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that by one act, God brings us back to him. I'm going to share a couple of scriptures with you in Romans 5, 18 through 19. It says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. I'm going to read that one more time. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, which is Jesus, many will be made righteous. And the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, 12 to 14, But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. That high priest is speaking about Jesus. It says, Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. If sin demands death and separation from God, then when Jesus died on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How could he go to be at the right hand of the Father in heaven? Jesus, here's the answer. Jesus died for you and me, not himself. He's sinless and holy. He never sinned, so when he resurrected, he already had an entrance back to the Father because he was never separated by sin in the beginning. The human family was separated. The price he paid wasn't for him. It was for you and me. And what is he doing now? He sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding, standing in the gap for you and I. The highest medal in the army in the Chinese government is a medal that's given to you that you can actually use to save another person's life. The few that win this medal hang on to it. And if at any time there's a person who's going to have to die for committing a hideous crime, they can take that medal and give it to the government, and that person will be pardoned. But it can only be used once. A general, while the communists were taking over mainland China for his bravery, received one of these medals. His own son committed murder, and he gave his medal up to save the life of his son. That's an awesome story, but I have a better story for you today. It's about a man who died and paid the price for your sins and mine. And it doesn't run out after the first person comes under grace and forgiveness. 
It's not for one. It's not for a certain group of people. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, here's the key word, whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's for whoever believes, anyone, anytime, any place. The moment you say, I know Christ died for me, and I accept that grace and receive him as my Lord and Savior, at that moment, you become a child of God, no matter what you've done. And that, my friends, is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there's two things the Bible says that God cannot do. Two things. It says God can't lie. And the Bible says that God can't remember your sins. The scriptures say that when you and I come to God and we confess our sins and we accept his free gift of, of forgiveness, his free gift of grace, at that very moment, he casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Hallelujah. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you may remember in the beginning of the podcast, I said that the, the gospel message is so simple, even a child can understand it. And I want to talk to you about just how simple it is. Maybe as you've been listening to this podcast, you realize that um, you're not as far out of God's reach as you thought you were. And I assure you that you're not. Or maybe you're one of those people who, who actually tries to earn it and be good enough. And you're realizing that that's just a, a pursuit of folly that leads to nowhere good, no life. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Or maybe you once did, and through a series of events in life, things happen. The death of a loved one, the loss of a job, a sickness, catastrophe strikes. Things happen that kind of sort of knock us off course, and you find yourself in a distant place in terms of your relationship with Christ. Or maybe you're listening and you're just a person who just struggles with the concept of grace being a free gift and the assurance that your sins are forgiven. I want you to hang in there with me for just a, a few more minutes because I want to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. And here it is. Receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior is as simple as A, B, C. You admit that God has not been first place in your life, and you admit that you're a sinner. And that, that's really not hard to do because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You believe that Jesus can save you. The Bible says to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then you confess him as your Lord. The Bible says, if you confess that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess 
and are saved. Now, if you fit any one of those categories, any one of those descriptions that I talked about just a couple of moments ago, I have a prayer that I want to pray with you. I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. And when that prayer is complete, and when we say amen, you will be a born-again Christian. You will be a child of God. You will be my newest brother or sister in Christ. Are you ready? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins and arose from the grave. I now turn from my sins and invite you into my heart and life. I receive you as my personal Savior and follow you as my Lord. Amen. Now the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now based on that scripture, I have three questions for you. One, did you call on the name of the Lord? If you prayed that prayer after me, you called on the name of the Lord. Number two, does God lie? The scripture makes it clear that he is not a man that he, should, that he could lie. The third question is, are you saved? Because if you called on the name of the Lord, and God doesn't lie, and his word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, then you, my friend, are saved. And I want to welcome you into the family of God. God bless you. Well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off here pretty quick. Listen, look for the next Fuel for Life podcast next Tuesday. We're going to be cranking them out every week, getting them out on Tuesday morning. They'll be available so you can listen to them on your commute to work or whatever's going on. Soon we're going to have our new website up. We'll be better able to resource you for the journey into the abundant life that Jesus paid for you to have. And, and you'll be able to see how God is using this ministry to reach million, a million souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So until next week, remember, God's not mad. He loves you, and so do I. Oh, 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 oh,